0: If you have your uh, Bibles, I'm going to encourage you to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, um, and uh, we're wrapping up our Unstuck series uh, this week. Um, the whole idea of this series was hopefully, number one, for us to get a look at a at what I'll call a rough uh, overview, or maybe like a 30,000-foot view to a certain extent of the book of Joshua. We didn't go through every little nook and cranny and every detail of the book of Joshua, and really the life of Joshua and the Israelite people, But we did look at it from a standpoint of saying, what does this mean for me, right? Like, how do I get unstuck in my own life? Because I believe if you were to look at the scenarios and situations that the Israelite people were in at that time and in those places, I would venture to say that a lot of us deal with those same things. Like when God wants to do something great, he asks you to walk out in faith. And that faith sometimes means that my foot has to hit the river before the water stops. Right? Or that when God tells me to go somewhere, I go even when he hasn't given me all the details of everything that's gone on. Right? He tells Joshua to say, he says, listen, you're going to go in and you're going to take this land. And Joshua leads the people to do it. And so as we look at that, as we've dug into to Joshua, this last idea really has come to my mind is this idea of all for one and one for all. Right? If you're a three musketeers Fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about, right? That was like a statement that was made famous by the book, The Three Musketeers, and later on in the, the movie. How many of you have seen the movie? And I'm going to say the old movie with like Chris O'Donnell and, and all of those guys, right? Okay, all right, You're, you kind of remember the good one. I haven't seen the newest one. Um, but, but that, that quote was, was made famous as a result of that. But I want, you to, I want you to think of it this way, all for one and one for all. I think of it in the light of this, that we're all for one. In other words, we're all for Jesus, right? And Jesus was one for all. In other words, he paid the ultimate price, the ultimate sacrifice. He paid the provision that none of us could pay uh, in his death, burial, and resurrection or in his death on the cross for the sacrifice for our sins. But I also want you to think of it this way. I want us to think about all of us together for one. In other words, that we all come together for one at any point in time within the body of Christ, one within the church, that when one is down, that everybody else rallies around him, and I know in the past I talked about that, you know, that that, uh, like buffalo, when when you're hunting buffalo, when one goes down, they all circle around him. If you watch, go on to National Geographic and things, you'll see that with water buffalo and lions and things like that, but I think about it like this, and maybe it's my mindset with military background and things like this, but special operators whether it's Navy SEALs or Green Berets, whether it's the Delta Force or Army Rangers, never leave anybody behind. They got a motto, we never leave anyone behind. And we go to great lengths to make sure that people are not left behind, that they're not overrun, that, that even when they suffer the gravest of, of injuries that lead to their obvious death, that they never leave a brother behind. And I want us to think about it this way, that is our role as a church and our goal as a church to always be there for each other. Number one, for maturity, that we grow together, that we learn to, to, to grow in discipleship and maturity as believers together. But number two, that when Satan attacks, not if, but when, when Satan attacks, that we are able to rally around each other, help each other out, and build each other up. So I believe it's one of the most important concepts that we have to remember in being a Christian is not a call to do things by your self. Like, you even think about going old school, Lone Ranger and Tonto. Lone Ranger, even though he was called the Lone Ranger, was never by himself because he always had who? Tonto. Right? And yet, so many people walk through life with this mentality of, I got it. I can do it. I'm good. Matter of fact, I've even heard statements from people who say, listen, I don't need the church. I got Jesus and I'm good. And I think you set yourself up for a grave danger when you approach life in those ways. Because I believe it's not a matter of if, but when, you're going to need others in your life to help you out. See, I believe the church accomplishes great things together, but apart, we can't accomplish everything that God wants for us to do. There is something in Scripture that I believe screams at us to say, listen, you can't walk through life alone. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to reference back to Joshua on a couple occasions to remind you of what's going on. But Hebrews chapter 10, we're going to start in verse 19. If you don't have your Bibles, you can follow along. And can I make a plug just for some of us? And I know, like, we've got today's world. we've We've got our Bibles on our phone and things like that. But I want to challenge you over the next year to start to carry a Bible with you to church. And I'm going to challenge you even in a greater way because I think everybody needs this in some way, shape, or form. I believe that you should have some sort of a journal that you bring with you. And I'm not talking about my words being the words that you're like, oh, I, you know. Well, I, I always look and say, hey, I, it's nice to go back and hear the sermons or, or to, to, re, uh, to go over the sermons that I've heard or had preached to myself, but I want to—I want you to see what God does, I believe, as you begin to use his word beyond your phone, I'm not saying the phones are, are, are not useful, all right, but to begin to also take notes and engage God's word in a greater way. So Hebrews chapter 9, starting in verse, or sorry, chapter 10, starting in verse 19, listen to what he says. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God. Everybody say draw near. All right. Let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from the guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. See, one of the key concepts throughout Scripture, and I believe in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament, is this. It's this idea of the power of together. Right? It's the idea of teamwork. Matter of fact, as I think about this, we've had a lot of conversations over football and things like this recently. I'm reminded of this idea of the power of teamwork. Anybody remember the Baltimore Ravens Super Bowl run? Yeah, some of you do, some of you don't. All right? For those of you who do, you will remember that the Baltimore Ravens were very unimpressive offensively. Like, they didn't put up a lot of numbers, they didn't put up a lot of statistics. Offensively, they were mediocre at best the issue was that baltimore ravens defense was through the roof outstanding in other words baltimore just had to roughly put up about 13 points a game in football in order to win the games because they weren't allowing much beyond that and while we look at that and we look and we go oh that's great i want us to think about the power of teamwork because without good offense and defense we're not able to succeed as we move forward and i believe that god wants us to live to a certain extent, on the offensive. In other words, that we're taking the gospel to our neighbors. We're going to live not in fear. We're going to be moving forward. We're going to press on. We're going to press forward. We want to score. We want to score big. We want to do things for God's kingdom. But we also, listen, have to be on the defensive. We have to be ready for every attack and every battle that Satan wants to wage against us within the body of Christ. We have to understand that he is going to work as best he can to mislead, to confuse, and to lead us in the wrong direction. And so as we jump into this, Hebrews chapter 10, I want us to think about that, the power of together, this all-for-one and one-for-all idea, what that means in our lives. John chapter 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me, you will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And so it's important that we remain in the Lord, that we remain connected to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, but at the same time, I believe it's important that we connect within the body of Christ, that we build relationships with others, that we can come together, because apart, listen, apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. But as you read John chapter 15, he basically says this, that every vine that remains connected or every branch that remains connected to the vine produces fruit. And I don't know about you, but when I've seen trees, when I've got one tree or one branch of a tree that's producing fruit and everything else isn't, there's a problem, right? Like we got a tree in our neighborhood that it's all dead growing up. And there's one little tiny, and I mean, this is about a 20-foot tree. There's one branch at the bottom, probably about six feet up off the ground, that's shooting out. And that's green. And everything else looks terrible. Now, I don't know about you, but if that tree was in my yard, that sucker would be down. It's hideous. It's ugly. Right? But that is oftentimes the way we want to look at what's going on because we've got branches that are connected to the vine that are producing fruit, and then there are some within the body because of a lack of maturity. You haven't connected. You're not connected to Jesus, let alone the body, and as a result, you're not bearing much fruit. See, apart we can do nothing, but with God, all things are possible. I want to remind you of a couple things from Joshua. In Joshua chapter 3, the people are to consecrate themselves together, everyone. All the people consecrate themselves. So there's this together idea on holiness. Joshua chapter four, the whole nation crosses the Jordan River together. Remember as the priest led the way, it says all of the people crossed and then the priest came across and then the river started flowing again. Then in Joshua chapter five, the whole nation is circumcised. So during the 40 years in the wilderness, there was no circumcision going on for 40 years. And then all of a sudden they crossed the Jordan And after they crossed the Jordan, he says, listen, I want you guys to circumcise all of those new males. All the people who have been born after you're wandering in the wilderness. In Joshua chapter 6, the whole nation marched exactly how the Lord wanted them to do, right? One time around the city for the first six days, and on the seventh day, they marched around seven times. And listen, it was everybody, the whole nation. So that carries on this idea of the power together. In, in Joshua chapter 6, the whole nation marches, right? We get that idea. They do it. They, they follow the directions the Lord gives. Joshua chapter 7, Israel is defeated as a result of sin. And listen, it was the sin of one individual, remember? One family, one person. That was it. Joshua chapter 8, Israel is victorious. If you don't see this picture, what I want you to see is this, that the, t- the power of together... The nation of Israel was able to accomplish great things as a result of being obedient to what God has called them to do. In other words, remaining connected to the vine and at the same time, listen, staying connected together, working together. Jesus always invites us into a relationship with him. He loves us with an everlasting love, with God's perfect love. He sacrificed as the perfect spotless lamb, and he rose again, defeating sin and defeating death. So here's the big idea. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this today, that we grow in maturity as we draw near to God and spur one another on toward love and good deeds. We grow in maturity, right? As I draw near to God. In other words, it's this idea that as I'm drawing near to God on a daily basis, I am able to grow and mature. And as I grow and mature, I begin to see that there are opportunities for me to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. A lot of that comes with like serving within the body, loving on somebody when they've lost a loved one, maybe meeting a need at a time where they had a need that needed to be met. And as we do that, we begin to serve in a great way. And listen, that leads to maturity. And we all know what maturity looks like. And I always like to try and think I'm oftentimes mature. And then my wife is always like, you're one of my four kids. What are you talking about? (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like, There is a maturity aspect that we begin to live out. So how do we experience the power of together? I believe that Hebrews answers that. How do we experience the power of together, that we move forward together? Number one, that we all draw near to God, that we all draw near to God. Now, listen, I believe that that starts first personally, where you're at, day in and day out. Do you have a growth process or a plan to grow spiritually? Are you reading God's Word, right? Do you take it in? Now, here's the beauty of the phone. I can listen to God's Word while I drive. You know, in the past, you used to have to buy CDs. But you can plug your phone in, most of you, unless you got like an old car. Like, I don't know, some, I'm sure you have it. But you can connect your phone to your stereo on your car, and you can listen to God's Word as you drive. You can do it in the morning while you're getting ready for work. You can play it. You can listen to it. You begin to take it in. You draw near to God in ways that you've maybe never done before. If you need a reading plan, we've got a reading plan out there. You can pick it up and you can download the Bible app on your phone and you can listen to it. But listen, in order to get unstuck, in order to move into maturity, you must be connected to the source. John chapter 15. I am the vine and you're the branches. He who remains connected to me will bear much fruit, but apart from me, you can do nothing. And here's what's crazy. A lot of us many times want to bear fruit, but yet we're not connected to the vine. And when we disconnect from the vine, then we everything that we're doing, we're doing really for self. We're not doing it for God. We're not doing it to grow and mature. We're not doing it to necessarily grow stronger in Him. We're doing it so that maybe we can get a name for ourselves or maybe we can look good to the neighbor. See, God is already, listen, God is already pursuing you. Matter of fact, the Bible says He's near to you. In other words, God is constantly pursuing you, walking, 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 pursuing, pursuing, pursuing. And here's what the Bible says there. It says, you draw near to God. In other words, it carries this idea You just turn around. You turn from what you're doing. You turn around and you draw near to him because he's already pursuing you. He's already near. Psalm chapter 34, it says he's even, he's close or near to the brokenhearted. So he's already in the pursuit process. And Jesus has been doing this from the get-go. So we've got to draw near to God. And listen, here's the reality. No branch can bear fruit by itself no branch. You cannot do it apart from God. If you don't draw near to God on your own, you're not going to bear fruit that is in keeping with repentance. You're not going to bear fruit in what it means to be a mature spiritual believer. Instead, you're going to bear fruit that goes the opposite direction, or you're not going to bear fruit that's that's beneficial. It's going to be rotten. And so we draw near to God, and as we draw near to God, He's already drawing near to us. So number one, we said we must draw near to God. We grow in maturity as we draw near to God and spur each other on toward love and good deeds. Number two, I believe what what, what we see here in in, uh, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23, we hold fast to this hope. We hold fast to the hope that we have. Listen to what he says in verse 22. Let us hold unswervingly, To the hope we profess, for he who promised it is faithful. Now, listen, here's the hope. If you look at verse 19, he says this Brother, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, opened up for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God. Here's what he's playing out in this. Here's the hope, right? In the past, the hope was on a sacrifice of a lamb because that sacrifice of the lamb would be presented for them and the high priest, once a year, would go into the holy place, right? The high priest would take the sacrifice, he would go into the holy of holies and he would present those sacrifices and they'd come out and everything was good. Listen, Jesus enters that holy of holies place and he is the one, so we no longer have to go through this curtain. That's the hope. See, the hope is locked up in Jesus. He is our firm foundation. Just what we just talked about. He's the way maker. He's the miracle worker. He's the promise keeper. All throughout scripture, he lives out and he plays out these promises all the way. See, growth within the body is a priority. Growth within the body is a priority. And... I just want to make a statement here, and I want you guys to understand why I believe it's important that you connect with others within the body for some time of study and growth. And here's the reason why. Because when you are connected to a group, you open up and express things that you've never probably opened up and expressed before. I would be the first to sit here and tell you if you had to choose between Sunday morning and a life group, I would tell you to choose a life group any day of the week. If you are digging into God's word and you're holding each other accountable and you're encouraging one another and you're growing, there is a great reflection of the church there. That is the church. Matter of fact, I mean, Chris, what he just said is there are some people right now that don't have a house of worship or a place to worship. That doesn't stop the movement of the church if the church functions in a proper way. Because a building is just a building. The church is the people. And when the church of God or the people of God come together to build each other up, to dig into God's word, to grow together, listen, together as a church, we are able to do and accomplish more. Remember this. The Bible is very clear that Jesus said he will build his church and the gates of hell will not prevail. They will not stand against it. And so listen, that is how we play it out. That is how we hold fast to the hope. What is the hope? That the church is the mission, is the movement that God uses to accomplish his mission around the world. So together as a church, we're able to build each other up by holding unswervingly to the hope we profess. In other words, I don't veer to the right, I don't veer to the left, I hold fast to what that is. As a matter of fact, that's going to be a plug, because starting next week, we're going to be jumping into 2 Peter. We're starting a new sermon series next week called Hold Fast. And I believe that based upon what we see in today's world and the climate and culture that that we're experiencing right now, that we need to be a church that is going to hold fast to Jesus, and we're going to hold fast to his word. Because, listen, today is a day where many are standing up and saying, ah, you don't need all that stuff. There's other ways. So we hold fast with great hope. Do you understand that God put us here? Listen, God put you and I here to help make each other stronger, to build each other up, to encourage each other, to challenge each other, to hold each other accountable if you go back to Acts chapter 2, and we referenced it a couple weeks ago, it gives us a look at what a growing church body does together. And we said this. Number one, they were devoted to Scripture. As long as anybody stands on this stage and I'm the pastor, we will always let Scripture dictate everything in this church. Everything. Not some things. Not things that we think are appropriate and other things we're like, well, nah, you know, kind of times have come around. No, everything. Everything is going to be built upon the foundation of Scripture and God's Word. So they were devoted to Scripture. They did fellowship with one another, right? I believe life groups are a simple way of fellowship taking place, but discipleship also takes place. In other words, being devoted to Scripture. They broke bread. In other words, they ate together. I would challenge you and encourage you to get together with other believers that are within this body. Go out to lunch. Go out to dinner. Go out to a movie. Go out to a Mavericks game. Go to a Royals game. You can't this year, but maybe next year. You couldn't afford a Chiefs game, so don't bother with that one. But, (laughs) all right? They looked out for each other financially, spiritually, emotionally. They did all of those things. But listen, they also praised God together. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. And it says that numbers grew daily. So listen, we grow in maturity as we draw near to God and spur each other on toward love and good deeds. So how do we experience the power of together? Number one, we said we must draw near to God. Number two, we hold fast, hold fast to the hope that is in Jesus. Because if it's not built upon the cornerstone of our foundation, if it's not built upon the foundation of our faith, which is Christ crucified, Christ resurrected, then nothing else Matters, And then number three is this, that we must push each other on in love and good works. Listen, I understand how oftentimes good things get overlooked and negativity gets promoted. But I want you to know this, that the role of the church, the role of the church body, our goal or our role as believers with each other is to spur one another on toward, listen, love And good deeds. And I'm just gonna throw this out there because there's a lot of stuff on social media, there's a lot of stuff on TV that that first word is oftentimes let out. Because we don't necessarily spur one another on toward love, we spur one another on towards stand against people with vengeance and hate filled words. And I just have a hard time believing that Jesus would be the one who would be standing out there in an unloving fashion. Now, hear me out when I say this, because I know some are going to be like, oh, see, he's there's no standard. No, that's not what I'm saying at all. Jesus had a high standard. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he ran into the woman at the well, what does he say to her, right? Like, like he loves on her. He speaks truth to her. He encourages her. But then when she says... What she says, he goes, You're right. Yeah, you don't just have one. You have five. You've had five husbands. Go and sin no more. Right? Jesus always holds out the standard. Jesus has a standard. But please hear me out when I say this. We must push each other on in love and good works. Now, this idea of pushing each other on in love, we always have to remember what is the first and greatest commandment: love the Lord your God with what? All your heart, all your soul all your mind, and all your strength. And then, love your neighbor as yourself. So I love God first. That's why I live by the standard with which Scripture says, because love, according to Jesus, says, if you love me, you will obey me. You will follow my word. You will live out what I have called you to live out. And then number two, to love my neighbor as myself. In other words, I want to stand on the truth of God's word. I want to push each other on in love and good works. See, there is power together, especially when we are united around the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. Listen to Ephesians chapter four. It says, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in respect The mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ, from him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. And then James throws this out, right? That faith without works is useless. So in other words, that our faith is lived out by spurring each other on with love and good works. Because good works are a result of a good Savior working in my life and changing what was bad to be good or what was dead to be alive. And listen, he offers us that opportunity. We push each other to get better. To grow, to understand, and to know who God is more and more. In today's world, this idea of meeting together has become a secondary thought. I have heard many say, again, and I just referenced this earlier, I don't need the church. But you do. We all do. We need each other. Matter of fact, there's a song out there, I think, that says something like that. Oh, oh, we need each other. No, no, no. Anybody know that song? You don't want to hear me sing. Sorry, always, that's about as far as I'm going. So, um, But listen, any time we separate ourselves from the body, we set ourselves up for failure. When I begin to separate myself out from the love of other believers, from the unity that takes place around the gospel, and I don't get pushed by others to do good works, then I begin to set myself up for failure. 1 Peter chapter 5, be alert and sober mind because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, waiting for someone to devour. So here's what I wanted to do to wrap up today. As I thought about this, I decided to look up the one another's in Scripture. Like it says, to love, to spur one another on toward love and good deeds. I'm going to read you some. These are just from the New Testament. There are a lot out there, so I'm not going to bore you consistently, but I would challenge you to go home and look up some of these. Listen to what he says. Be at peace with each other. Wash one another's feet. Some of y'all got some stinky feet. John 13, love one another. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another, listen to this, above yourselves. Man, imagine what happens if I honor another brother above myself. In other words, in humility, I set myself under them so that I can serve them. Live in harmony with one another. Now, I want you to keep in mind, all of these are one another's towards believers within the body of Christ. That I live in harmony with one another that I stop passing judgment on one another. I accept one another then just as Christ Jesus accepted you. Romans 15 says, instruct one another. Now, here's one everybody's going to love. Greet one another with a holy kiss. By the way, that's in there twice because we get it in Romans and then we see it. So that's Paul. And then we see it from Peter later on when he says, greet one another with a kiss of love. I don't know about you. That would kind of be weird. You guys come in on Sunday morning and start kissing each other on the cheek or something and be like, <laughs> when you come together, eat, but wait for each other have equal concern for each other, greet one another again with a holy kiss, serve one another in love, carry one another's burdens, be patient, bearing with one another in love, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgive each other, speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ, teach one another, one another. Do not lie to each other. Bear each other's burdens. Forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Encourage one another. Build each other up. Encourage one another daily. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10. We just talked about it. Spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Do not slander one another. Do not grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart, live in harmony with one another, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And we could go on because I took out a lot of these just love one another's. Like just in the New Testament, there's almost 60 of them that I could find. I didn't even look at the Old Testament. But I want you to think about this. And here's the challenge. And I know we we oftentimes get bogged down in what goes on, but listen, it is important for us to know each other within the body. I'm not saying you're going to know everybody, and that's the thing. As the church grows, you're not going to know necessarily everybody, but you have relationships within the body so that you can build each other up. You can share the burdens and the griefs and the problems that you have, that you can strengthen and encourage each other, that you can love one another, that you can be in a humility to serve others and keep them above you. I believe that's the, 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 the true litmus test for a church that is maturing is a church that says all for one and one for all. That we do it all for Jesus and Jesus did it all for us but we come around and we say that we do it all for each other. That together We want to accomplish great things because God wants to do great things, immeasurable and unimaginable things that we can never even begin to ask or imagine. Let's pray. Father, you know all things. You know the state of our hearts. You know the difficulties that we have struggled with. You know the heartache maybe that we are coming in. God, you know the pain and the burdens that we are trying to bear, maybe even some of us on our own because we've been too afraid to share, too worried about what others may think. Lord, I pray as we just think about this, this whole idea of giving up meeting together, God, that we would never give up regardless of what happens around us, in the world around us, that, God, your church will always move forward. That, yes, we've got to be on the defensive because we know our enemy prowls around looking for those to devour. But, God, at the same time, we could be on the offensive by encouraging one another with, with words of encouragement, with thanking people, with letting them know how much we appreciate them, with, with uh, celebrating the victories and the wins in the lives of each person here. God, just as we celebrate with baptism, that is a victory. That is a win. That's an opportunity for us to rally around and be united together around the truth of your word, the beauty of the gospel, that Jesus Christ was crucified for our sins, for the sins of this world. He bore that weight and he bore that burden. But we thank you for the fact that he did not stay dead. He did not remain dead, but he rose again and he offers life. He defeats sin, he defeated death, and he offers us a life and life more abundantly which, which, with which we can walk in obedience, that we can spur one another on toward love and good deeds because we know we're all in the same situation. So Lord, today I pray that we would be a church that is externally focused, But yet at the the same time that we focus internally, that we can build each other up, that we can encourage each other as long as it is called today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.